That's different. That's different. That's different. Welcome to That's Different Podcast, the show about the path less traveled. Each episode, I interview someone that has chosen to defy convention and do something different with their lives. I'm your host, Sarah Anderson, and I'm so looking forward to introducing you to my guest today. Yele Hermes is an amazing human being, an author two times over. He's a Dutch blogger with over 800,000 people visiting his site each month and a personal friend of mine. I recorded this episode in his home in the Netherlands where I got to see what daily life is like for Yele, and while I was there, I was tickled to witness that he's a bit of a celebrity in the Netherlands, well known for his thoughts on positive mindset and on living a happy life. We talk about entrepreneurship, how he makes time for travel for months each year, ultralight backpacking, how everyday moments create a happy life, and being a new adoptive parent. You can check out the show notes at thatsdifferentpodcast.com for the transcription or for links to anything that we reference on today's show. This is a wide-ranging conversation and a lot of fun, and I hope that you enjoy it as much as I did. So we met, I I want to say like five years ago in Chiang Mai, um, just to give a little bit of context here. And when I met you and Billy, I really felt like, like you were really fun and interesting people. But the part that really stuck out to me was when you talked about how you traveled for months each year. And at the time I was working, you know, in tech and I wanted to travel more. And I thought that it was really inspirational. Then I just like went back to my life. After a while, I decided to make this podcast and I immediately thought of you and Billy and your like different sort of lifestyle. And so that's why I was really, really happy that you were open to doing a podcast episode with me. Yeah, great. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah. So to give a little bit more context to the audience, who your primary audience is here in the Netherlands. You're an author two times over. I went with you to the book signing yesterday and um, you, have, you have a website and you're influencing tons of people, especially in this area. But I... I'm not able to maybe speak as much about what you do just because most of it is in Dutch. So maybe if you want to give a brief, a brief uh, synopsis of, of what it is that your website is about in your books as well. Yes. So what I, what I do on my website and on the platform, like there is also an app a lot of people use. Uh, it's called So Chicken, and it's basically in Dutch, like we say, broeden op een leuke leven, which means like hatching a better life or an, a more increasingly fun life. And I really like to um, take people by the hand and help them to increase their quality of life in really small and easy and practical steps. So like my main interest in life is personal growth. I'm really passionate about it, and I'm like, I'm one of those people who can't read fiction i always read non-fiction and i heard that you're one of those people as well yes <laughs> yes that's me like always i'm always surrounding myself with like books and information and thinking about um, new ways to increase my quality of life and like my biggest talent is simplifying it and translating it to my audience so that they can just start doing it and make it really simple and practical and especially really small and the website like the way i write and everything is communicated in a, like in a particularly dutch way so that is why it really clicks with uh the audience i think 
It, Tell me more about <laughs> what that means. What What is particularly Dutch about it, it? It means it's quite direct and it's very down to earth and it's um, uh, very open. Yeah, and then also just like the examples and the stuff, they are culturally very Dutch. Like, for example, like in the US, you would say, oh, uh, when you are frustrated because you're in line with Walmart, well, I'll, I'll name this very Dutch uh, shop where Albert people Hein. will be in line, Albert Heijn, which is super Dutch. And then people, you know, they recognize it's very, uh, for much more local and much more approachable. When you say it's very direct and down to earth, do you feel like you're removing some of the, what is sometimes called like woo-woo-ness <laughs> yeah, of the fluff. Like self-help and... <laughs> Yeah, I really like to do that because the thing is, if you want to simplify stuff, you have to get back to like the core issues and uh, not struggle with the symptoms as much. Or And then I I always notice that there is this lot of cultural baggage around a lot of, uh, especially spirituality, but in a lot of self-help stuff. And, and, and I think people recognize it once you st start reading up on a lot of self-help uh, stuff and everything and you start to implement it in your life you start to recognize the underlying principles and you start to see that you know it's really actually quite simple and from these principles i derive the content i write for example simplifying your life usually makes for an easier life and for a less complicated situation it's like how systems theory works and just how systems function in 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 most of nature and also in your life, right? So if you start um, applying that kind of knowledge to different areas of your life, then everything just starts to flow more smoothly and stuff like that. And that that's like sometimes the stuff that is very complicated, I really try to make it really simple so that people can just go ahead and use it. Okay, yeah, making it a bit more approachable than that way. Yeah. And were you always very interested in um, like personal development or was there any sort of like particular changing point or catalyst or, or one thing that you could pinpoint or were you just always curious about the subject? Well, I was curious about sort of helping and entertaining people. I guess I was and always very much enchanted by the idea that you can make life more beautiful. Uh, and, and when I was a little child, it was mostly, uh, it took the form of, I wanted to be an il uh, illusionist. Like I wanted to make magic shows and stuff like that. And, um, but later on when I was a bit older, uh, I think 15 or something, I discovered that when you go to the library and you have to get your boring books for school, there is also this whole aisle with books that, that tell you to teach you how to do stuff right so i i discovered wow i can just rent here i could just rent a book about photography and i can actually learn how to make better photographs so i started renting all kinds of books mostly first about technical stuff and later about yoga too and so and i guess from there i started getting more interested uh, I even remember as a, as a child, like watching the Oprah show <laughs> and actually <laughs> thinking, wow, that's very interesting. Like I could actually just eat differently and then my body will change and I'll feel more healthy and more energetic and stuff like that. So I guess it started from there, just this, this notion that I could, could actually do stuff and then actually change my life. And from there, I just realized that it's, a lot of people don't really know that stuff or they are like in my surroundings you know and i started like to to write about it and to communicate it 
And I actually, I started with a personal homepage when I was 14 years old. My, my dad teached me how to, how to make a homepage. You have to have an index.html and then, you know, it, that's your homepage and then how it all works together. And from there, I just started blogging too on blogger.com and mm -hmm. started talking about my own lessons in life, I guess, and trying every time to come to a sort of moral of the story, like something you can learn. I learned from it or something the reader could learn from it. And from there, that just naturally flowed over in So Chicken, where I just decided I wanted to make it more professional, right? Like with a with a brand and like make it a place where people can go. Over the years, obviously, it sounds like you've you've been doing this since you were young. How has how has like your thought process around personal development and happiness and, and all of that self-work, how has it evolved? Have you, have, is there anything that you've noticed that you changed your opinion on or like came to any like major realizations on? Yeah, loads of things. I, I think what, what happened most, like in 2007, I started um, in So Chicken working full-time for myself. So from there, I was full-time working in personal development. So it, I developed quite rapidly and the business too but um i guess that you know it's just these phases one goes through like in your 20s everything is about you know building your life finding ways to make money to find out what you want all that kind of stuff and then those things seem the most important obviously and then uh, once i get older it's other, other the priorities start to shift it, not only because i get older but also i because i just see that it's in fact, not really that important as I thought it was, because I start to notice that even though you get the things that you think you wanted, you still won't find the happiness you think you were searching for, right? And and I think the whole topic of happiness has become much more nuanced. Like in the past, I was I I would read all these books like Fifty Ways to Be Happier and all these uh, interesting books about happiness, but it's like I just realized that happiness is not necessarily the thing. Like it's a very, um, it's here, it's here one moment and then it's gone, right? And it's like, um, it's more joy that I am uh, developing, and that it's, it's more about letting go of your expectations and letting go of your thoughts about how life should be, and and developing more acceptance and stuff like that. And then I noticed that joy does just comes into place of that and then happiness also happens but it's like less important i guess <laughs> rather than like always chasing after the happiness and like suppressing because when you suppress the other emotions i think that probably uh also ends up causing problems in the long yeah. run and or i i think also like everyone is chasing after happiness and then the, it really like makes it a lot more difficult when you're having a bad day because you're like oh my god i'm supposed yeah. to be having a good day why am i not having a good day rather than just flowing through it right, right. And, and it's the same thing like with mindfulness um it's a really weird thing to chase mindfulness because mindfulness is just what's there uh, once you stop doing the chasing and the same goes for happiness i guess and that's you know that's things I learned and things I changed my opinion on because of new <laughs> insights. So yeah, and uh, and other things I guess uh, like we've been uh, talking about like the whole travel 
situation that right. at some point I really thought I just need to travel all the time to to be happy. It's like my my goal in life is to be as free, like physically free as I possibly can. Mm-hmm. Um, not not have so many ties or connections that drag me down or ho- hold me in one place or hold me back. I got quite far with that and we can talk about it later like the traveling uh, yeah. situation um, but at some point I, I started to realize that you know I'm so free now but still I don't feel free you know and then it's really hit me like okay I read about this and you know you 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 spoke to me about it um, like the whole notion like wherever you are there you are yeah wherever so, you go there where, you yeah. are yeah and it's that's just so true and it's so annoying because you just want to go run away from that right and just fix it and whatever fix your life in the external world and then everything uh, will be perfect someday and it never happens and then uh, i just realized that you know if i really want this freedom i'm craving for it and i should go inside and work there um and and isn't it also real freedom to just be happy in a place <laughs> where you are uh, and not feeling the urge to constantly uh, have to move or have to travel or whatever. So that's the phase I'm in now, like discovering how to be more calm and relaxed and happy while not traveling <laughs> or traveling less. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I can relate to that also in that uh, I, th- I think especially like having feelings of anxiety or or different feelings that I've had. There have been different times in my life where I felt like, okay, I I have to make everything just so I have to create the conditions so that I can be happy. So whether that's at home, I need to have a routine that's exactly like this or, or I need to go to places that will make me happy. And and you get so uh, caught up externally that you don't really realize that that's not the place to go to to create the conditions that should be inside but the thing is that a lot of people they will go either or like they will be all like oh this doesn't work so i'm going to meditate on a hill for the rest of my life and the thing is it obviously it does work it brings you like 80 percent there right? right like uh living more healthily like taking care of your body taking care of your relationships, of your environment, keeping it clean, keeping it ordered, uh, being like a minimalist, don't be bothered by so much stuff dragging you down. But it's more like, you know, and I know this for a fact, that when I take a couple pieces of chocolate, it's really nice. But that doesn't mean that if I eat the whole bar, that it will be increasingly nicer and nicer and nicer. Like at some point, it just stops being nice. And I think like life has a lot of these moments and these balances, like at some point it's there and you can just stop optimizing in this area and you need to go to a different area if you want to grow further. That That's like, yeah, that's just what we were talking about yesterday, which was the whole, like the extremes that people like to go to and the extremes that people want you to go to just like looking at you externally and not you but generic the generic you or especially someone who has any sort of presence online because if you do something you should do it a hundred percent and then otherwise people are pretty critical of that but somewhere in that uncomfortable balance i think where you can't really measure it is probably where uh, you land best i wanted to ask you about 
Well, actually, so you said since 2007, you've been working on So Chicken. Yes, full-time. Full-time. So I started the website in uh, 2004. And were you ever working in a traditional type of job before that? So, uh, yes, and it helped me tremendously, actually, because I was working at an um, advertising agency during my uh, study. So I studied communication and multimedia design, which was about you know combining design technology and marketing to create uh, products that like impact can impact the world and whatever. Um, so I, I I got started like at an internship at an uh, ad agency in Rotterdam, and I also had like a side job there, which made like good money. So it was really nice, but also I really hated the whole like the whole company culture and. Uh, I don't know, like, and also, like, I I came in in the winter time. I came in when it was dark, and then I left when it was dark. And I was like, "This is my life. What's happening?" And um, so that really helped me decide that this is just not for me. This lifestyle, like, if I if I would have gotten because I did a lot of, um, I tried to find another internship at cooler companies, and they I was too late, so I I, I was. Um, rejected uh but maybe if i would have ended up with a nice company i would have liked it and would have been like working in in the advertising agency or whatever uh but now i was like okay this is miserable so i i need to stop stop doing this uh, i'm going to go and work for myself and at that point i did some freelance web design work for some um uh, friends who had a company too and then also uh so chicken at that point had like 40,000 visitors a month and it, I made some revenue from uh, uh, AdSense. Uh, back in the day, it, you could actually make quite some money with AdSense. So yeah, and then these days uh, I have no advertising anymore on the platform, but uh, I now develop my own products and, and sell the books, obviously. So that helped me j to make the jump. And then Billy, my partner, he was uh, working at a hotel uh, uh, front desk. So he made made stable money so he subsidized my jump into um, self-employment <laughs> and then later we did it for him the other way around was he pretty supportive of you making that jump yeah he was yeah i think he he just saw that it would work out and you know i saved some money but it was kind of a precarious situation because we just moved in together and we were quite poor <laughs> Like we had we had budgets and everything. Like when we go went on a vacation, it was like we exactly knew what we had to spend, where and when and um, on what. <laughs> but you were quite young at the time as yeah. well, right? So it was maybe one of those you didn't have that much to lose situations. Yeah. Yeah. I I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> well, because uh, yeah, I could. I, the thing is, I could just try it without too much risk because I was already making some money and also uh, at the time I was still uh, when I made the jump uh, I was still also doing some web design work and I could just um, slowly build it down getting back to travel yes <laughs> one of my favorite topics um, what like you, you you already touched on travel a little bit and that you wanted to be totally free was that was that one of the main inspirations for why you at first were so interested in travel? So one, I think one of the most important things is freedom and also just like 
having adventures, right? Like experiencing stuff that's just different and new and really just to challenge myself, right? In different cultures and like, so the first trip we made was for two months. Before that, like we did every year, we did like two, three weeks vacations, right? And now it was really, it wasn't a vacation. It was like travel. So it's a different thing. It's not about relaxing. It's about um, discovering the world and then also getting to know yourself better in these new situations. So the first trip, I actually wanted to go to the US right away, but my partner Billy, he wanted to go to Australia. So that's what we did first. Uh, so we traveled the East Coast for two months, which was basically like backpacking 101, you know. The only difference was that our backpack was like 22 liters and then the people around us had like backpacks of 80 liters. They were like... Yeah, 22 is quite small. Yeah, it was my largest backpack. Like, is that... Like, how many liters is that backpack? So I know... I believe that this one now is... 24 this is my larger okay, yeah so for so for context for anyone who's listening he's holding up just like a standard backpack i, I can i'll grab my my your actual one. my actual yeah, I, sure. yeah. wait that's the one that you were traveling with this is the backpack i used in 2016 when i met you so i traveled with this three months through india and two months two and a half months to the u.s which was a little bit different because we had a rental car at some point. So it's like, but this could fit almost in the cup holder, right? <laughs> no, not really. Yeah, it's so, it's so tiny. I don't have, I didn't have any words because I'm just staring at it. Um, I'm going to make you take a picture with this backpack. So yeah. I'll put it on the show notes so yeah, sure. can see. But this is so small. Like this would fit a pair of your shoes and maybe a sweater. Like, so you must not have brought extra shoes. You must yes. have just worn what you were wearing. Right, but I, well, flip-flops. I, okay. Yeah, so, um, yeah, and in India it was easy because like we only had to dress for 30 degrees Celsius like for hot weather. Yeah, that is a bit easier. And uh, in, in the US we actually discovered that um, uh, Utah and uh, also were we traveling Arizona, it got quite cold at some point, but uh, there, were, there were some places where it was like pretty chilly and we didn't bring enough warm clothes. So yeah, it happens. Wow, but, yeah. but, but the thing is with, uh, with ultra light backpacking is you really have to design your gear. Uh, whereas if you're like not as ultra light, you can just throw in some stuff and you'll be fine. Right. But you're just lugging it around. So for us, uh, especially in India, it's like you can just you have such a small bag so everything you have with you is is there with you it's you never have to give up your bag you're never separating parts of your luggage it's like you can just hop out of the train and walk if you want uh you don't get a sore back you know it's like it's, yeah, it's perfect you have to go leave it like like for me i'm on this trip for a little over a month and then i have this gear with me and then i like yeah, if I'm not able to check, if I have to check the bag, then I have to separate it, or sometimes I have to leave it at the front desk of a hotel, and then I'm worried, depending on the country I'm yes. in, if it's going to get raw stolen. <laughs> yeah, so we basically could just travel with everything we owned, and then sometimes, like, if, if I'm in a hotel and I'm checked in, I'll just leave my heavy, my clothes and that kind of stuff uh, in the hotel, but I can just also always bring all the gear and everything. So it was just really nice 
so this was really this moment that i realized i'm super free right i could just yeah. go travel anywhere and also like that's a important part is the the business was like completely um running online and i could i designed it in a way that i could just parts of it were automated parts of it were outsourced to a va and then parts of it were just completely workable through my smartphone so i could just were you like posting blog posts occasionally while traveling no so usually what i what we did is just work in advance like really hard okay yeah <laughs> so that i don't have to work at all because it, i think it's so so valuable to just uh, like disconnect completely from your normal life for an extended period of time and usually we chose for around two months uh, and of course like we met a lot of people who are like traveling full-time or traveling for six months or whatever but they are usually not living on the schedule of repeated travel right so it's like this huge trip they're taking and then they will enter normal society again and what I, what inspired me the most and it still does it's like just um, making this a part of your normal life and just every september and october we were just out and traveling yeah that's really interesting i didn't know we were going to get into ultra light backpacking <laughs> but so would you say that you also ha did that also help you with being would you consider yourself to be any sort of a minimalist at home as well then well yes but i i don't necessarily would say i own very little stuff like the minimalist you see on pinterest and instagram uh because you know minimalism for me it's about getting rid of the stuff that's not essential and doesn't like serve your quality of life and sometimes it's just very nice to have a plant that yeah. you don't strictly need <laughs> stuff like that but i consider myself to be a minimalist and uh usually i uh like i optimize my my work environment my you know my my gear like apps and and my laptop and everything it's surprisingly clean and i actually have a lot of spaces in my house which are empty and and still also some places that i need to uh, go through because there is stuff i don't need anymore but you know moving stuff is such a um, complicated thing right like we we just did a large renovation in our house and uh, now i have stuff that i have to sell on like the dutch craigslist version and then i'm just procrastinating on that but it's like it, it's quite a lot of work moving stuff around like getting it and getting rid of it and all that kind of stuff so and that's also what i'm really talking about a lot if, if you minimize the amount of stuff in your life you just have less to worry about and everything just runs more smoothly it's easier to clean it's easier to sort everything it's easier to find stuff you you lose less stuff right you have don't have to ensure as much you don't need as much space what I like to do is then upgrade the stuff that I have so that it's stuff I really enjoy using. Yeah, I always like that quote, the the things that you own, own you. I yeah. get so stressed when I have so many things and I, it sounds, it sounds like such a... Um, uh, kind of like entitled thing to say, but, but yeah, honestly, but it, it does sound like an entitled it, thing to say. But, but on the other hand, <laughs> it's actually it, it is true, right? It's yeah. like it's the same thing with the balance. Like you have, it's very nice to have your comforts and to, um, you know, to have if 
to have the luxuries of of Western life, but then it can go too far and it'll the quality will go down. So yeah, if you have too much of the good stuff, it becomes the bad stuff and and that doesn't work. So that's we try not to do it, right? So Yeah, and 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 just from a practical standpoint, when you have so many things, sometimes it's hard to know what you even have because you can't see everything. Then you end up buying the same thing yeah, over again definitely. because you forgot that you already had one. And then, oh, so so for the first trip, you wanted U.S. and Australia. How do you decide where you want to go? Do you have like a long list of places that you just wanted to visit or you get inspired by any particular media or anything like that? I remember our second large trip was to China and I remember it was like a super short conversation in the, in the backyard. It was like, oh, where should we go for our next trip? And then Billy said, let's go to China. And I was like, oh, that sounds like an adventure. So I'm not sure where he got the idea, but I think he just wanted to explore Asia and, and I still wanted to go to the US, but less so apparently. So that got uh, delayed to the next year. But uh, so yeah, we went to China and then actually it's funny because Billy actually also decided where we, he wanted to go to India which I was able to delay a couple of years <laughs> because I thought oh my god it's a horrible idea um, uh, because like I am into adventure but it's I'm not necessarily the most adventurous person alive <laughs> so out of the two of you you're the less adventurous <laughs> yes. I, okay. I guess I am a little bit more cautious uh -huh. and um also, I, I think it's really important that when I'm traveling, that it's also really fun, right? There's, that it's optimized for fun and not optimized for having the local experience, even though having the local experience can be a lot of fun. For example, in the US, we did a lot of couch surfing. Uh, you know, then you sleep with people in their house and it's, um, it's really cool. And then sometimes they come visit back and you get to know new people and then they incorporate them you in, into their lives and you get to know their friends or their family or whatever and you know that's just been a blast in the u.s because it's just really nice but in in india it's different because you know it's a lot <laughs> very different culture so there you don't necessarily want to have the local experience maybe all the time because i was running to the toilet too if i had like too much of the local experience <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I hear that. I have not been to India, as I mentioned uh, to you before, but I do want to go, but I, I have been warned that, uh, yeah, you have to be quite careful with the food there. Yeah, but the I, and, yeah, the water. And speaking of challenging experiences, like what are some of the biggest challenges that you faced while traveling? So like, obviously we got uh, scammed a couple times, like in, in China and in Myanmar. What kind of scams? Well, in China, it was like we were just stupid because we we didn't didn't check anything about scams because we were just not well traveled enough. I guess. <laughs> so we just uh, somebody uh, who uh, started speaking to us about uh, green tea if we liked it, and I'm like, oh yes, I like it, and I was like very naive. And then at some point, we ended up in some tea house basement situation, and they and they let me for like a tea tasting and I didn't realize because I we were just in the country and I I I am really bad with numbers and I had no idea what the what the currency oh, situation was and uh -huh. they and just pay by card and then it was like 200 euros for for the um, tea ceremony oh man so but I got it back from the credit card company <laughs> and also I got a nice teapot out of it oh yes 
great. I paid for it, so I could keep it. <laughs> it was really nice. And then uh, in Myanmar, it was uh, like like a more complicated thing with with a person like a boy he started talking to us in the park, but he really. It, it really felt genuine and like sort of a friendship. And then he took us around and showed like all kinds of cool stuff, temples and whatever. And then later there was this sort of question of a donation because his parents needed to build a new house and whatever. He was and, like a child or how old? Well, I think he was... Uh, a teenager? No, he was, I think, in his tw early 20s. Okay. Yeah. So, and that got a little bit like a weird, weird thing to it. And then... Well, and but the thing is, it was sort of fine all. In, in the end, we, we did make like a small donation. Uh, but the thing is, then later we heard from uh, a German guy that he, he had the exact same experience. And then you just know it's like, it's a business. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Family is not going to build a new house. Well, maybe they are. And they'll, uh, yeah. It, but it's not because their current house is, there is something wrong with it. <laughs> yeah. So, it but it's, but it's yeah, <laughs> and there's, you know, you have good stories to tell. Yeah, I guess. And sometimes in India, because we weren't planning very well that we ended up in places where I just didn't feel really happy, I guess, you know, India can be very, it's, it's just a lot of everything. You know, you have these people, they say, I hate India. You have people who say, oh, I love India. And I'm like, you know, it's both. It's, it's the lovely middle, the middle and it's way. horrible. Yeah, it's really <laughs> like that. It's there is so much to love about India, and also there's so much like to not love. Like no, there's so much garbage and so much like people are very can be very invasive and stuff like that. But it's interesting because you get to know yourself better, and that's obviously one of the um, the reasons you go traveling. What about something that, that I'm curious about also, because you're a gay couple, so you're yep. two men traveling. Have you ever felt unsafe going to countries like India or ones that aren't so liberal? About like being gay, people don't know. Yeah, we don't tell them. guys traveling together yes, as friends. brothers or, or friends or whatever. Um, if they don't, it's, it's on a need to know basis. <laughs> so for example, when we were in Dubai and in Myanmar, it's like you get separate beds. And I'm okay. not going to ask for a double. Right. But sometimes um, they even give you double beds because it's just it's just so normal that like it, it's just not a thing on their radar that you might be a couple, right? So they just think uh, there's just two guys traveling; they can sleep in the same bed, even though they are very much against uh, the way we sleep in the same bed. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> but you know that's the the thing that changed in our life. Uh, Recently, like we, yeah. uh, as you as you uh, noticed here, <laughs> we <laughs> adopted yeah. uh, a little baby boy, um, and yeah, it's going to be different from now on. Uh, yeah, so let's talk about that. You've been well. First, from the travel perspective, you travel a couple months every year. Do you think maybe not right away because he's only what five months or something right now? But do you think that you'll continue to maintain that couple months every year, or what do you think? So I think. Like it starts out, he starts out as a baby, so <laughs> then everything is very complicated. Uh, and I think the trips will be a little bit shorter. Um, and from there, like once he starts walking and talking and be a little bit more hands off, I think we will start incorporating travel back in our lives, uh, even extended travel, but maybe not for two months at a time. 
we'll see how it goes and see how our life unfolds. And then obviously, like when he's a little bit older, you get to deal with the whole government here in the Netherlands. Like you're, the child has to be at school and it's really hard to travel all the time. So you'll, you'll be stuck to uh, the summer schedule and then you'll have to travel to countries which are nice during that time <laughs> because it might be very hot at some point in the in the world and that's when everyone else is traveling yeah that's true but not like we might choose different locations i guess but one of the things is uh which will be interesting to see because he his roots are haitian so he's obviously has a different skin color than ours and um it will be very clear that we are a gay couple who adopted a child for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. So for example, the last trip we took before we adopted him uh, was to Moscow. And I'm pretty sure we won't go back to Moscow anytime soon in this configuration. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So that uh, we'll have to like find our way in that and just have to see, um, uh, yeah, what feels good for everybody and uh, how we can uh, optimize for fun and joy and 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 learning experiences for for him so it would be really cool and you know actually the the last couple of years we've really been very low on traveling in europe because we were just so much focused on really intercontinental travels because the most like the adventures are everything is an adventure once you once you land in japan yeah. or you know it's like everything is different and that's just so interesting. The cultural shift is so interesting. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, I agree. I, I've always loved going to Asia. I just, even like here, while I can't pronounce anything very well, I Gisella. can still... <laughs> <Gisella>. <laughs> I, you're, I can you're doing well, actually. Okay, hey. <laughs> <laughs> you should visit Iceland. You can't pronounce anything. Really? Yeah, it's Even like, for you? Yes, well, it's not like I'm a super pronouncing person. No, in the I world, didn't but mean <laughs> you personally, but I feel like the language might be closer than to English. No, no, it's it's uh, no, it's a very special thing. It's like all the letters are just scrambled together, and they oh. and they form words. It's yes, it's really something. Yeah, well, then, but then <clears throat> when you're in Asia, it's just you can't even try right. to pronounce yeah. it because it's yeah not your alphabet yeah so that's gives some kind of peace of mind <laughs> people who might be listening to this podcast may be interested in just the the day-to-day -day logistics of what what it's like when you're not at a normal nine-to-five job and you're working for yourself and now you have an added yeah. variable that is a child <laughs> yes um so maybe if you could just take us through what like a typical day might be for the three of you yeah so it's very interesting actually because we've been talking a lot about how we're going to do this so billy my partner he also runs a website mostly with um uh, vegan recipes and he gives people tips on how to live more sustainably and uh spend their money like more uh wisely i guess and so we both have to work and we both maintain these websites but um now there is a baby so how are we going to do it right before we adopted we already um were working on working less like restoring balance because one of the things i noticed that i that's one of these insights i had during traveling is that i also use traveling to kind of get away of my busy life at home and it's not like i hated my life at home because i was really happy and i have like a lot of good social life you know and, and see my friends a lot and all this it's all good stuff but it just can be too much uh we just 
schedule too much activities i guess too much work and we we already started like paring down on the work on the like the useful activities to be able to be better at relaxing because you know we're we kind of like in our especially in our 20s we have been like this doing this high performance thing like working hard and then reaching your goals and um it's not necessarily long hours because i never was a fan of working long i'm just a fan of just like finishing the projects you're working on and then then you're finished right and then you can travel two months or whatever but we we really try better now to schedule more free time more time to do exercise and meditate and to see family and friends and um pairing back the work in our life and 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 pacing down like being as relaxed at home as you are while you're traveling so that's been kind of an adventure actually i had this project like feel like ha i want to feel like i feel when i'm traveling while while i'm at home and it doesn't need to feel the same because it, when you're traveling you have these all these adventures and all these new things you experience all these new people you get to know which is really nice but also you don't want to have that full time because it's just you get exhausted right so there is this charm and beauty in the efficiency of being at home like the places you love and know the processes you have in your own house all, everything you need is there uh, your family is nearby all this good stuff too so we were already on that track and now that our son is here we we are just uh um, spreading the load so he goes to uh, child to daycare one and a half day and then we both have one day we take care of him alone so oh, the other okay. can work full-time mm -hmm. or like for a full day and then you know for the rest we're just together as a family and we just try to um if somebody needs to work we just make it possible but mostly we just like to spend a lot of time together and make the space for work uh, the space that's necessary but not too much and the thing is like maybe that's not possible for everybody but one of the things i've been working on like since 20 uh, 2007 is basically like doing this whole four hour work week thing right i read this book in 2007 and i was like actually my my previous employer po paid for it because i was allowed to order some books from amazon which was like very exotic to order books out of america like <laughs> <laughs> it took weeks and it was like there was this box like oh my god books from the u.s it's so cool and uh and i just threw, threw it in the package because i was allowed to to order some books about uh, the subject of my internship and and i saw this title i like yes was that in the subject of your internship no not at all okay. no it was the subject of escaping the whole culture okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so uh i have to really thank them for that and then i started reading it and i was like yes um i need to do this this is what i want uh with the twist that I don't hate my work. I wanted to do like to, to do this whole thing, but then doing it with things I love and things that with which I can contribute to the world instead of just building a business to make money and then eating croissants. Right? It's right, right. Because it's much more fun if you also enjoy yourself and also do something useful while making the money. So like every decision from there on has been based on this blueprint like i don't 
like at some point there 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 were the were these thoughts like oh okay things are going well maybe I should like rent an office for myself with a nice logo on it you know like yeah I feel so Fancy. proud yeah you a, like you made it yeah like <laughs> the money is there so then I'm like a real serious company and people will respect me more and then it's like okay no we cannot do that because that will just leech so much money and time and like energy uh, and then when I'm traveling I'm not there and it's just burden so all these kinds of small decisions I made to to make sure that I was able to be as free as I wanted to be you know and it's not only in in the company I do it in in my life as well like we try uh, especially in the past like to really cut down on the costs and and be very uh, especially the um, recurring fees right on energy and all the basic stuff in house Mm -hmm. but it's like it can save so much money and then you are just more free to do whatever you want so that was the whole model and that's that brought us to the spot that where we could we were able to travel a lot and we are still able to travel a lot the question now is will it be as much it, it will be a, a completely different experience now right with with a baby <laughs> so we actually just finished our first trip as a family and uh was a two-week trip to France, which it was really nice. So uh, it was a good first uh, trial. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I think we do a lot of road trips in um, in uh, Europe for the coming couple of years, and also some longer trips. That makes a lot of sense, especially. But then also, you should probably take advantage of uh, not having to pay for a third person at some point <laughs> I guess before. I, I guess we will. <laughs> yeah, before that's over. Okay, but. So, uh, so on the weekly basis, you have one day you're taking care, one day yep. he's taking care. Some days you take care together. How many days a week are you? Are, did you, I think you said you were trying to pare it down? You're, are you working like full work days, like four days, five days a week? So I think I uh, like I used to work four days um, from like nine thirty to four. Okay. And then I have lunch in between two, and then now it's. Three days, I guess. Three days. And then you're doing it from here and then also from coffee shops? Yes. And now I not have a... Coffee, coffee shops. No, shops, not the but. Dutch type of coffee shop, which <laughs> don't sell coffee. Uh, or they might even sell coffee. I, I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, no, no, not those. Because I don't think that's very inducive for productivity. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Depending on the calls you stated for yourself, obviously. Like, in yeah. And I... I really uh, found like a very good VR, uh, VA. <laughs> I was like, wait, <laughs> for a virtual coffee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, a virtual assistant. Uh, uh, he's actually like a friend of mine uh, and I've known him for a long time, but he, um, he helps me uh, run parts of the business I, I just cannot have handle anymore. And also stuff that, that he just runs a lot better than I will. Because, for example, when the books came out, especially the first book came out, like a lot of things changed because you get more serious media attention. So like the blog, it, it receives about uh, between 8 and 9 million visitors a month. Or oh, sorry, a year. <laughs> Not a month, people. No. <laughs> a year. Uh, and the, the first book has been sold around 50,000 copies. So then like the the press and stuff, they get more serious attention because they, you know, they like printed books and they blogs. They think, okay, there's just a blogger and right. anyone can blog, but not yeah. anyone can write this a book. Like I a, guess. Yeah, this is like a gate. <laughs> right. And then 
yeah author yeah <laughs> so this is really cool but it brings like all these new aspects like companies uh asking for you to speak on their events and um interviews and all this kind of stuff so and it's really nice to have like an assistant helping you with that kind of stuff and just scheduling all it all and filtering it and so that like i can just be more free to do whatever i want and also to focus on the creative aspects of the company like yeah. writing and making videos and stuff like that well that's the true like four-hour work week spirit right is to yeah. have the, the va and that's the spirit yeah, that's the, yeah. <laughs> that's the spirit yeah well well he, he although the true four-hour work week spirit would be to only pay the va five dollars an hour <laughs> that's right yeah <laughs> and have, have him or her live in the philippines but yeah that's not the road i uh, took no <laughs> i have a fair trade via uh, va um Okay, so you were talking about, um, like, the, this, I'm very interested in this, uh, about, like, wanting to make sure that your life is basically as enjoyable at home, and you have that sort of sense of peace and flow that you have while on vacation, but at home, because I think, like, as I've watched a lot of my peers, either they feel burned out in their jobs, and they keep going with it, or they will, uh, they'll like drop out and leave their jobs. But there's that kind of middle road, right, of balance of how can you have each day feel like good and not like you're just kind of beating away at your job and trying to get to the weekend. And I think this is probably in line with the things that you write about. And then also we've been talking about Hazelic. Gezellig, yes. Gezellig. <laughs> okay, so yeah, life optimization and Hazelic. Hazelic. Gezellig. It's a. Very well. Yes. Okay. Well. You're getting better. Anyway, um, yeah, I, I think that that is something that especially the American audience would be very interested in, and I know that there were so many books about Higa that were very popular, and it's a bit of a different sort of concept. But yeah, if you could just talk a little bit about that yeah <laughs> well it's a very interesting notion that like it's such a basic thing to just think about like what would increase the quality of my life the most right and it's instead of the the basic question we usually ask is what would make me more money what would make me more successful what would ma make me look better than that person over there what would make me more money than this specific person right and uh, how can I in impress these other people and, and have them think of me of a certain way and all this kind of stuff, uh, which all lead down to a very complicated track. Like you don't really want to be in, I guess, because it, it leads to a lot of stress and, um, and a lot of problems. And, and it doesn't lead to better life quality, which is actually what you want. So it's a very easy thing. You just focus on a different uh, metric. And then when you start, once you start measuring your life in that way, then you, it's very easy to decide, okay, yeah. So um, should I get this bigger house? Uh, well, you know, it will be comfortable, but it will be much more expensive. So I have to work much more hours. I cannot see my French, friends and French <laughs> like, uh, as much. Like uh, there won't be, there will be less time with my children. There will be less time with my family. All these stuff. So that is 
definitely a lower quality of life even though you have a very spacious house so then the decision is easily made it's a, no you you should not go to this bigger house at this point because it will lower your life quality even though you will look very successful and you will feel maybe very uh, impressive in your new house but you know your life will be less qual qualitative do you think um so when you think about this do you do you take the time to outline like have have you actually broken it down what what level of nerdiness are you on this because I know for myself I have broken things down in categories for my life and ranked them and like prioritized them so that not not that I'm like constantly like getting out my glasses and my notebook and like every time I make a decision but I think once I go through that process then when I'm faced with a decision I know kind of where it should be coming from right right yeah so i think for me the most important thing was to to just dial back down the priority of work and and also to change it so for example in the past the priority would be on growing the business and like having these metrics like uh, um, amount of visitors on the website amount of revenue that's kind of stuff and now the, it's more about i i lowered that priority in general like health and um being happy and relaxed and relationships and my family are more important always than work and then work is there but i i changed the focus to contributing like am i able to contribute and i think being able to contribute is very important not only because it makes other people happy but because it makes me happy too right instead of just having a little bit of a better number on your screen the next day or the next year so i guess it's it's all a little bit out uh, in the same area it's very important to just see that the things that are make that are making your life of a higher quality is your relationships uh your relationship with yourself like your your level of self-acceptance and inner peace and that kind of stuff and your health because it's like if you're unhealthy you know it's just not life is not as fun and it's very easy to to see your quality of life going down if you're if you don't feel healthy like i i know i felt that like on the floor of the bathrooms in india yeah it's like then the, the only thing you wish for is being healthy right because that's eventually the most important thing yeah well that's like maslow's hierarchy of needs right it's like you have like the health and then yeah maybe, yeah yeah baseline Okay, well, I just have a couple more, like, quick questions. I guess this, this, oh, no, wait, I need you to defi define hazelik for everyone. Hazelik, yeah, okay. Yeah, can you? Can, yes. <laughs> Will you? <laughs> uh, we use it a lot in the Netherlands, and it's a very important concept, and uh, we structure our social life around it. Uh, and like Hige, uh, this uh, Danish uh, concept is more about coziness, I think. Hazelik is more about it's nice to be a, to be together it's nice like everything in Hige is gezellig by definition but there are also other things that are very gezellig so like a summer barbecue with friends is very gezellig and like us sitting here and chatting can be very gezellig and like in the Netherlands a lot of people take a lot of effort to make things gezellig so it, it's, it's also in like in your surrounding but also in the way we interact with each other and we just 
mention it that it's gezellig and that that's also what makes it gezellig <laughs> okay yeah because i was gonna ask you how do you make it gezellig other than like lighting and right. things like that yeah it's it's just uh uh recognizing oh this is gezellig and that means that i like you i like the situation uh we have like a good moment here going on this is a gezellig moment and then you also feel good because apparently i think it's nice to be with you and then you yeah. maybe think it's nice to be with me and yeah. like a shared appreciation like gratitude almost for the moment yeah i would say that goes too far oh but it it's yeah because it's very very a, a daily life thing Subtle, we just, yeah. con constantly say so for it, the, the funny thing is when we are talking about it like as a dutch person it's such an ingrained thing in my mm -hmm. <laughs> in my mind is i i there are probably people who have like written very insightful pieces about it <laughs> probably a lot of dutch people are listening and they think no what are you talking about <laughs> gezellig to me is eating like a steak on my own uh, <laughs> in front of the television you know i don't know yeah. it, it can mean a lot of stuff but i think in the in the basic sense it's about um quality of life having nice moments in your life which can be cozy which can be shared with people and um and you can do a lot of stuff to make gezellig happen yeah i think that ties in really nicely with it like everything that we were just talking about of just making sure that each day is nice rather than chasing a goal in a future that will never be where you are because it's always going to be in the future yeah, yeah. and it's one of the really nice things people constantly kept saying to me in india and that it, it really states the difference of uh, the state of mind in the West and the East. Like in India, people constantly say to me, just be happy. Yeah, you can worry later if you want. Just be happy now. <laughs> like, or, yeah, it's just be happy. Be happy first. Yeah. And that's the thing. Just make room and, and quiet um, to let the happiness shine through. That is actually what's, what's actually happening, right? Inner mm -hmm. peace. Like silence is always there. Even... Like the, the silence is there, but we, we disturb it with sound. Right. If we stop disturbing it with sound, the silence appears to be there again. And, and it's also, for example, in a puddle, like we keep throwing in ro little rocks, which makes the water level uh, uh, flow. But it's like, if we stop doing that, then we'll have this very nice pond, which is completely like a mirror, you know. And that's basically how we can do it in our lives. Just stop... Uh, running around in real life and also in our heads like the stories we tell ourselves learning to take our thoughts less seriously and seeing that they are just thoughts they can just pass by we don't have to grasp onto them we don't have to take them as seriously they can they come and go and that's it you can just watch it as traffic moving on the road and and then you realize like oh okay i'm fine i'm seeing all these thoughts but actually i'm just sitting in this moment and and you're always just being in a moment right you're not the thoughts you're just witnessing yeah. them yeah and the yeah. and you always it's interesting you always experience the thoughts in the moment it's even though you're experiencing thoughts about a future you imagine you are experiencing that that thought right now in the here and now always so there is never not this moment and once you start like practicing with this and realizing it for yourself then it's it's so much easier to not get lost in your 
worry and in your doubts and fears and all that kind of stuff and then the love and inner peace and all the good stuff that will the joy right that will come through yeah um Oh, we we didn't we didn't even go down the path, and that would be a whole different conversation around uh, <laughs> the world and sustainability and and everything else that's going on. But if you were to say one thing, uh, and actually this was a a question that one of your fans that you don't know had uh, had recommended when I was asking, um, because I've been, I've been traveling around the Netherlands before meeting up with and staying here with Yele and with Billy and, um, people just knew them, which was such a, such a fun surprise for me because (laughs) I just knew them as two people I met in Thailand and then in San Francisco, (laughs) but, uh, but there are fans here, but anyway, um, you know, when you look at the state of the world, what do you, is there anything that like you think that, uh, the world needs a lot right now? Yes. Uh, I'd say we need more love, obviously. And then not in the, in the superficial sense, but like we need to learn to love ourselves for, for who and what we are, accept ourselves. And then it will be, we will be so much less anxious and neurotic and we, we can behave in ways that will, like uh, help others in in so many ways and also behave in ways that will help the environment and whatever like not because you you think it's a good thing to do but because that's just what you are right Mm -hmm. like like how a rain cloud just drops his rain over the desert it's not thinking about who gets my rain and it did this this did this piece of land deserve the water i'm giving it it's not it's like no i just dropped the water Mm -hmm. and it's actually not thinking about it obviously but it's like if you can develop to that point of love and acceptance, then it's just all love and acceptance. Then it's just you're bringing light everywhere, right? So, okay, that's the woo-woo uh, explanation. The other one is like, I just really think that the middle way where we kind of um, end up every time in this conversation, <laughs> it's really overlooked because everybody loves their extremes. And then, for example... If you talk about important, like big problems, like climate change and stuff like that, like it's obviously a very large issue uh, for our societies, like depending on what goals you have for humanity and your own life. But if you would say, okay, we would like to have a happy future for humanity, then there are a lot of issues going on. And a lot of people, they will either be like oh we just put in like i'm i have organic um food so you know we're safe and then you have the other people who say no well we, we everything we will do won't matter because this and that and then there are all the studies and it's very doomsday doomsday everything you know and it's like obviously the truth will be somewhere in between and obviously it's like the things you do don't matter as much as you want them to matter but they still do matter because you are a part of this system. And if you change, you change a part of the system. So the system is changed. And also when people think that all is lost, they they will never do anything anymore. They will just, you know, eat steak in front of the television and cry beneath a blanket because that's the, the basic thing. You That's the most reasonable thing to do, I guess, if you feel that all is lost. Yeah, like what what we've been talking about earlier is that I am like kind of optimistic. 
I think humanity is not stupid enough to create these doomsday stuff. I think we will be able to use like new and existing technologies in very creative ways to uh, mitigate a lot of the problems. And I and I'm very promoting of the um, the whole idea of like eco restoration, like creating more real industries that that are set up to restore things that we broke right like our planet is changed beyond recognition and we will never get it back to the state it was but we will be able to at some point be better be able to manage it so that it can be stable and can fulfill the functions that we see fit for them right for for the planet so it's it's interesting because in the netherlands we have no wild nature the netherlands is managed top to bottom like there is maybe a little bit of some patches which are allowed to be wild but that's part of the management the netherlands is a really small country all nature is managed and i think that's like a sort of a blueprint for how we will handle the whole planet mm. maybe in a hundred years uh time or whatever but you know it's not all or nothing it's not like we are all doomed or everything will be butterflies and amazingness there will be a lot of very tough decisions to make a lot of very tough periods and you know we can i think we we should just go ahead and go go through them and um make a lot of tough decisions clean up our acts clean up our personal lives clean up our politics and start believing that we can transition to this new economy and that's all, always one thing like uh, i say that you know once you're there it's finished right this the whole transition to a sustainable economy it's not like you have to keep doing that forever at some point it's sustainable and once you're there you're kind of finished and obviously there will always be like new problems and things that you have to fix but it's it's not like you have to do that forever for the rest of like humanity's existence it's like at some points we we just create this new way of living with each other but you know i'm a very a big picture person so i don't i i'm not really involved in what happens in the next five years i'm more like looking towards like the, <laughs> the couple next hundred years and maybe thousand years and if you like if you watch from that level then i just mostly feel that like we are just going to our puberty as as a species right and we we are learning how to deal with it to get along with each other to get along with living on this planet and and handling our technology which is a little bit beyond our capabilities now like i'm kind of optimistic but also i just really try to set an example and it's one reason why I don't fly as much anymore. <laughs> this, this question you may recognize because I, I stole it from Tim Ferriss, uh, who oh. we're fans. But yeah. I, I always think it's always really interesting to hear the answer. If uh, you could put a billboard anywhere in the world and it could say anything, where would you put it and what would it say? Okay, so knowing myself, I, I will probably put like a, a URL on it something where people have to go and there I, I will post like a very long story <laughs> it's a bit of a cheat but all right and what would what would the con what would be the the brief version then? <laughs> no maybe if i if i would if 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 i would go down the minimalist road and i will yeah. only put a couple words on it i think it will be accept yourself 
I think that is like because the billboard will be put in like in Western society, right? Yeah. Well, it, you, it's your choice. <laughs> oh, the whole world yeah, can see it. I mean, uh, it's your choice where you put it. Yeah. Yeah, something along those lines. Uh, I think it's it's such a boring thing to talk about, like accepting yourself. I, I, but it's but it's crucial. It's so crucial, and yeah. we are so not doing it and not prepared to even get close to it. We mm. we are so used to like to do the opposite and think of ourselves as uh, worthless and are of less important and less creative, like all this stuff, and and it doesn't help us personally and it doesn't help us as a society yeah you know we hold ourselves back so much basically that okay and if you were to um give advice to someone who might be thinking of doing something different maybe they're maybe they're just in school and they want to take a different route or maybe they're in their nine to five job listening to this podcast at their desk right now and they they have an idea for doing something a little bit off the beaten path what would your advice to them be if you feel overwhelmed by the task, just take it one really small step at a time. Mm. Like you, in in theory, you can like do anything you want if you take really small steps because it can be really daunting to go outside of your comfort zone and outside of the normal societal rules. So yeah, just do small steps, do your research and keep going. And do you, before we wrap up, do you have anything um, that you would like to promote or talk about for anyone who's listening for yourself or your books or your site or anything? So, yeah, the thing is, uh, if you're uh, Dutch, I, I have some great content for you. <laughs> if you're German, my first book uh, is uh, translated in German. Uh, Mach dich locker is the title. And um, maybe time will tell uh, there will be English uh, translations. <laughs> well, people can also find you um, on, on Instagram. Uh, you're able to translate everything, so they could find you on Instagram. What is your Instagram handle? Uh, Jelle Hermes. Yeah. That's my name. And the reason I, I mostly focus on the Dutch market is because, like you say, people recognize me here. Yeah. I have such a good momentum going. And, you know, that, that really puts me in a position to get stuff, stuff done and to maybe really have an impact culturally. So that's what I'm shooting for. And I know that if I start speaking in English, like there are so many people uh, doing that already. So that's uh, why I stuck uh, to Dutch at this point. But uh, who knows? Yeah. Well, thanks so much for, for doing this with me. Well, thank you. Yeah. It's been great. That's it for today's episode of That's Different. I hope that you enjoyed this as much as I did. Be sure to check out Yele on his site, which is sochicken.nl. That's spelled S-O-C-H-I-C-K-E-N dot N-L. Or on his Instagram, which is at Yele Hermes, J-E-L-L-E-H-E-R-M-U-S. And if you missed anything, or if you want to take a look at the transcript or at Yelly's teeny tiny backpack, check out the show notes at thatsdifferentpodcast.com. Be sure to subscribe before you leave wherever you love to listen to podcasts. There are so many great interviews coming up, and that way you won't miss any of them. And if you loved it, share it with a friend, a colleague, a family member, or a person on the bus that looks like they could use a little bit of inspiration. And until next time, don't be afraid to be a little different.